Playwright, a podcast about creating and sharing new ways to play. <laughs> Trying to find new ways to say that. Just like to keep it fresh. <laughs> My name is Ryan Heyman. You may call me H. And I'm Ryan Quintel. You can call me Q and H. I am so happy to have you back in the oh, hosting chair this week. <laughs> Let me tell you, doing it on my own felt really weird. I mean, you weren't entirely on your own, but no, uh, that would be a true. little weird to just have like a one person podcast. I guess that's what Serial is, though, and they seem to be doing all right for themselves. <laughs> yeah, we got we to gotta cut one of us out and sort of the chop of the charts here. <laughs> so you were gone and I, I understand we crossed paths. You were in California. Yeah, yeah. I was down in beautiful Southern California, spent a few days in San Diego, and then I went up to a friend of mine who lives in Hollywood, spent a few more days there, and along the way, just I think a day or two after you posted a picture in the same location, I went down to Disneyland because I grew up in Anaheim, California, and I love Disneyland more than pretty much anything in the world right now. <laughs> really? You're luckily you got that Xbox One release of the Disneyland Park. Yeah, that's too. right. I have been playing that recently. Uh, but the park is just so cool. There's just something about, and we've talked about it, I believe, on this podcast before, that is kind of like a pilgrimage site for a lot of game designers to go down to Disneyland because of the really intelligent ways that they kind of create virtual spaces from the imagination, the the kind of like Westworld phenomenon where you enter a land and it is all themed in the same way. And then, you know, every cast member behaves like it's all real and you just like become, you, you start to believe that the, the edifice that they're putting up is a reality. It's it's super cool. And I, I get really into that kind of thing. Kind of had a, a really, re- a very good example of what you mean by, I was in Cars Land. I was in California Adventure, mm, yeah. which I learned is not Disneyland, thanks to your tweeting at me. <laughs> yeah, I was in Cars Land and we were waiting for our group to kind of coalesce so we could go on the Cars mm-hmm. ride. And uh, while waiting, sitting on a bench... Uh, this woman who looked like she was kind of pushing a set of boxes from one location to another, like a shipping container, mm-hmm. kind of walks up and behind her is this car who then announces itself as being a DJ car. And <laughs> she unfurls the boxes and they are like a, a platform to dance on. And then a bunch of people come out of the woodwork from seemingly nowhere. I could not tell where these people were huh. emerging from. And a dance party broke out and I said, Oh my God, it is like living in a video game, right? Every part (laughs) of your environment is crafted to control how you feel at any moment. It was, it was wild. That's true. And then with fast passes, you have waypoints with the, uh, photo pass people, you've got uh, quest givers. It's really interesting. So, uh, yeah, again, high recommendations from both of us. If you ever find yourself in the uh, California area or the various other spots, I think Paris and Florida and Tokyo, uh, check out one of the Disneyland parks. It's, it's super cool. You'll learn a lot about game design. You won't think that you will, but you will. Yes, it's excellent. Anyways, let's get into pitching some brand new video game ideas. 
And I'm going to start us off with, uh, this is a weird one. <laughs> I so love you it know, already. <laughs> when you wake up in the morning, sometimes you'll have had an idea in your sleep and you'll write it down. And then you look back later and you're like, what was I, what was I even thinking to think yes. this was a good idea? Yes. Uh, so basically that's what I'm bringing today. This was something that I came up with either in a dream or in that like lucid state between being asleep and awake. And I really can't wrap my mind around right now, whether it's a good idea or whether it's a terrible idea. But what I want to do is I've always liked those games like Audio Surf and Beat Hazard, I think is one of them. Hmm. Uh, games that kind of correlate with music that you can supply. Uh, but what I want to do is instead of something that kind of auto detects the beats and the peaks and the troughs in music that comes from the player's computer, I want to do like a more curated, uh, pre-designed experience of a, a shmup, a kind of overhead bullet hell shoot 'em up that is synchronized with like a specific musical or opera or ballet or something and it takes you through the entire thing so you can have like Les Miserables and basically play through the entire game as a bullet hell shoot 'em up and you know for whatever that takes uh, all these interesting bullet patterns kind of corresponding with the you know, peaks and troughs and the music and the the ways that that that, that goes um, I, I think it could add something to the musical experience to be able to kind of see the music unfolding in this kind of uh, synesthetic way in front of you uh, experientially with the gameplay as well as uh, just giving you exposure a reason to sit through an entire musical or opera or something that you wouldn't otherwise and then of course offering additional musicals as DLC, but with a focus on presenting the entire work. So I don't know if it's a good idea or if it's a terrible idea, but let's let's talk about it and let's see where we can take it. So I'm starting the clock. Wow. Well, yeah, uh, let's start under the assumption this is a good idea because I think it is. <laughs> um, I really like the idea of being able to coordinate, you know, the sort of ultra violence i guess of a shoot 'em up with something like swan lake <laughs> or something like the the nutcracker yeah exactly i think it, it would be a really great way to ab very abstractly tell the stories of some of these mm -hmm. things just through the music right because so much of musicals you know the key plot points do happen during these music breaks I could even imagine, you know, there are aspects of it that, I, you know, you look at Beat Hazard and you see that it's kind of a lot of things spawning on screen and you kind of having to, you know, it's just kind of flashing to the beat more than it is totally coordinated. Yeah, but yeah. if it was almost more like a guitar hero or rock band where it was right. authored to fit the musical, then I think you could do really exciting visuals along with it and, and really make the moments bring someone to tears the way that seeing it live might. A lot of that, especially in ballet, is about kind of storytelling through dance. Yeah. And I guess for my money, other than the like, you know, Dance Central Connect games and stuff, I think that bullet hells are kind of the closest that you get within the video game space to really exploring dance, like a really kinetic way to tell a story just through movement and just through patterns and you know, if you look at a, a stage of a ballet, 
uh, with all of the moving actors and sometimes the really intricately kind of interweaving between one another, it can feel like that same kind of experience yeah, can feel like a, like a, like a bullet hell, so to <laughs> yeah. speak. I don't know. I think it could work out. But one of the things that I was curious about is like, I want to not only make people just sit through a musical, but I want them to get some sort of a meaning out of it. I don't want to make it themed on that specific musical because I want it to be abstract. You know, I want them to get the the emotion of the musical through the music and through the movement of the shapes and not because, you know, everything looks like revolutionary France in the Les Miserables level. You know, I don't want it to be like aesthetically themed like the musical would be. You know, I want it to be very abstract. Right, and a bunch of baguettes flying at you. Yeah, you know, definitely <laughs> That's don't not want a bad that. idea. That could be a separate thing. <laughs> Second idea, TM, TM. I do want this to be kind of an edutainment kind of tool. Yeah. <laughs> Some sort of like an educational experience that uh, players can walk away from playing through this game and feel like they have some basic understanding of what the property was about, what the musical was about. And one of the challenges on that is understanding the words. A lot of operas are composed in other languages and stuff, and yeah. sometimes it's really hard to understand the words of what happens if uh, if someone's singing, and especially if you're focused on something else. So I, I want some clever way to display like subtitles or or the lyrics or something without distracting from the very intense bullet hell action. So uh, I guess what would you recommend? What would be the best way to put the words on screen without distracting? Well, I've got two solves potentially for this, which is mm-hmm. number one, I think you could do something where the types of enemies or the types of entities spawning that you're destroying could be uh, centralized to the character that is singing in the moment, right? So mm-hmm. those enemies essentially can have properties of the character, whether they're, you know, aggressive or big and boisterous or very yeah, kind of yeah. delicate and sweet. And to maybe have, I was at BlizzCon recently and Muse was playing and they had, as most bands do nowadays, as they play a giant screen of nonsense flying behind <laughs> them the whole time. But one uh-huh. of the things I really liked is in one of their songs where the chorus is uh, something to the effect of like, they will not force us. And like yeah, key yeah. words were appearing on the screen behind them of like force and uh, contain, you know, all these things that they oh, were saying yeah. in the music. Yeah, interesting. So I wonder if you could have it where like destroying some enemies like explode into words uh, to mm. the timing. Of course, you'd have to destroy things in time or you'd have to wait for an explosion that matched that beat. But that that could be very cool to coordinate that sort of thing. Yeah, that could be cool. And uh, bigger enemies like the screen filling bosses that might have like a like a screen on them if if this is the traditional kind of like sci-fi futuristic type of uh of overhead shmup. Yeah, and even to call back to uh old like mode 7 and like Super Nintendo stuff. Mm, yeah. If you did some levels were the top down shmup and then some levels were the res like uh things coming forward at you and oh, the perspective yeah, change. So, you know, you could have potentially entire movements take place in one perspective or entire numbers take place in a certain perspective. Yeah, speaking of res, this could work really well as like a VR experience as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think anything 
anything that tickles the senses is always way enhanced by doing it in VR. Yeah. Alternatively, this could be a really cool game to have like in an arcade setup with the music of this kind of like traditional opera or or ballet or something kind of blasting like you would hear the attract mode on like an old Tekken cabinet or something. Yeah. And, and of course, it would be, you know, songs people have heard throughout pop culture or whatever. I can also think, I know you don't want to necessarily lean into the theme of Mm -hmm. each individual play, but I think that there is something interesting to, have you seen Sweeney Todd? Yeah. So it would be interesting to have something that is kind of like razor blades and blood or pies, you know, some some (laughs) things that are, that are not exactly literally people's faces or, you know, you're Uh kind of roaming the streets in a more of a like weird top down smash TV sort of thing and more of a you know, Geometry Wars style, everything is a glowing, cool, abstract representation. Yeah, I want to kind of trigger this uh, curiosity in the player rather than kind of bombard them with the iconography and everything, but having a few symbols throughout the level, you know, just kind of like things strewn across the ground or a couple of nice little subtle touches in the enemy design or something could be appreciated. And I like that it each musical lends itself to level organization of a way like an entire campaign or DLC pack could be one particular play and using game mechanics, whether that's uh, enemy spawns or just the obstacles you're dealing with, can essentially elicit that feeling of tension or emotion or excitement that maybe someone who didn't think they were interested in this musical might experience. And then, you know, they ideally, I think they go see it. Right. And then they're like, wow, whether it's the musical itself making them feel this or it's their memory of the game, making them feel a certain way, trying to connect that emotion. Right. Want them to go to the opera house and then walk out about halfway through, like the end of Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Like, I don't need to see the movie. I've lived it. <laughs> exactly. I don't need to see it, Dottie. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. And you know what? I know you kind of called it edutainment, but mm-hmm. I do think that that is a good way to think about it because to me, it's exciting to like, I learned a lot of terms or words or even certain pieces of history from things like movies and video games before I actually read Mm -hmm. about them or learned about them. So I think, you know, this game could be doing that for, you know, a piece of culture that not a lot of people have access to if you live outside of a city. Yeah, exactly. You know how expensive theater is to go to. I, I love the theater myself. And it's just kind of like disappointing where it's like, oh, something's in town. Like I kind of want to see it, but it's like $60 to get like a backseat ticket. It's kind of not as accessible as movies and stuff are. Right, right. How do you see trying to deal with, could you do something where like each act ends in a boss? Like, are there bosses in this in your mind? Or like, because I feel like most good shmups have the kind of like giant floating thing at some point (laughs) so it's like is does jean valjean show up as an abstract (laughs) representation and he is you know the boss yeah basically what i want to do is give them a cheat code almost to get to the experience of watching the musical as somebody who like really deeply understands musicals and so the way to do that is to give them the same kind of emotional arc that somebody would have while they're watching this musical and Mm. I mean, luckily, all musicals have 
like a traditional story arc already. And so you can just kind of like follow that. Like it's a nice little cheat there, but uh, pretty much like whenever something needs to be heightened to that level, like you can throw in a big boss, but it would really kind of depend on where it is in Les Miserables or Hamilton or whatever it is that you're shooting through. Right. But anyways, that is all the time that we have for that. I'm going to give it a name and uh, I kind of like this name and I feel like I might use it again in the future, but I'm going to call this Ballet Hell. <laughs> it works better on paper than it does speaking it out loud. But <laughs> Well, I like the pitch because Ballet Hell is going to sell to the audience that probably needs to go to the ballet. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, that is me speaking from a... Uh, half conscious self. And so let's see if you can bring us something a little bit more sensible. <laughs> well, I was just going to say I'm worried because I feel like my idea is less complete and it was from my fully <laughs> conscious self. So my pitch for you this week, H, is hopefully also bringing a little culture. You know, I love Sims, especially city Sims. I've been in- inspired by both my girlfriend and the organization she works for called Kaboom. If anybody there is listening, shout out to them to do a playground building simulator of sorts. Oh, cool. So, um, you know, there are great tycoon games for building theme parks and there are great city sims like City Skylines for building entire cities. But I always notice inevitably in a city simulator, there is that mechanic of, hey, your population needs to be happier. Uh, just throw a park next to all their houses and somehow mm-hmm. the neighborhood is voila magically better (laughs) but there is a lot to it right and i wanted to explore a game where you're sort of choosing a neighborhood and you start with kind of like a better off maybe higher middle class neighborhood with plenty of resources and funding and you're going through the the neighborhood and there's different plots and you're setting up playgrounds for the families of those areas and you get certain you know materials and designs available to you and as more people attend your budget grows and you get more funding and all that stuff and then as you kind of expand and beautify and make happy each neighborhood you kind of go on and move on and tackle a tougher neighborhood with which maybe has less ideal conditions or Um, There's more adversity that you have to deal with in terms of location. And you kind of work your way up the ladder until you're able to help out even the most troubled of the neighborhoods in building playgrounds for them. So there's there's probably a lot of mechanics we can talk about, but I'll, I'll end it there. All right. Well, let's go ahead and start the clock, see where we can take this. As you pitch this, I was thinking of multiple different directions that... I could send this into. And that is, of course, my job here is to send things in a complete disarray because <laughs> no, I love if it. you come in with an idea and you leave with the same idea, then what are we even here for? So <laughs> That's true, yeah. I'm going to try to break this in any way that I can. And the first way that I want to do that is when you compare this to a theme park simulator, uh, that's one of the first thing that came to my mind as well is that, you know, isn't a theme park just like a bigger playground and Mm -hmm. what is going what is gained by making it a playground other than just like limiting the uh the the scale and the kind of fabulousness that you're able to work with you know you you have slides instead of roller coasters you have a little um the the spinny uh 
or the carousel things instead yeah, of like uh, merry-go-rounds. actual horse carousels. The carousels, yeah. Or no, it's yeah. not even a merry-go-round. It's uh, yeah, I've the spinning things. I know, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, I've it's weird, kind of uh, being in a relationship with someone who works on a lot of this hmm. stuff. But there's a lot of kind of interesting technology that goes into playgrounds, especially with building materials. So I did like the idea of starting with the sort of wooden playground and upgrading till you get the futuristic playgrounds can have all sorts of stuff in them. They can have, you know, LCD screens at some points, you know? So I do yeah. think you can get into weird sci-fi-ish territory with these things. Yeah. So one of the ways that I wanted to take this was maybe you are like an alien coming down from space and you are tasked with this job and you need to blend in with the humans and you have no idea what a playground is. And so you can build pretty much like out of like raw <laughs> resources, like cutting into plastics to make shapes and just see what the children do to play on them. You can make slides and you can make, you know, whatever out of like, you know, Banjo-Kazooie nuts and bolts level of customization and just kind of like uh, stick things together and see what the kids do with it. But having an ignorance of the way that they're supposed to be is probably pretty difficult for people who are like the players themselves humans. <laughs> so I don't really know how to impart that. Uh, alternatively, the idea of treating a playground slide like a roller coaster and roller coaster tycoon is to me very humorous. Like I, I would want to build a water slide that is like seven stories tall and loops all over the park and sends kids upside down ends and sends the children flying off into the the patch next door and <laughs> and i think there's room for all that in fact i would even love to see say you did have the kind of more call it <laughs> i hate to call it boring but the more conservative uh -huh. sim version and then you can do all this crazy stuff and make whatever size playground and, and a whole neighborhood size playground in sandbox mode and be able to do all that stuff one of the things i think is interesting say you're an alien right and we're we're going down this road for a second that safety is a real thing for playgrounds right so mm -hmm. The idea of an alien building something and people just like don't like it because kids fall off of it or, you know, they slide down, but the slide, you know, makes them go too fast and they're, you know, <laughs> you know, going crazy. And and it's a nice way, I think, of like in a theme park, when a roller coaster goes awry, your passengers are dead <laughs> in fiction, right? Whereas like yeah. in a playground at, you know, at worst, you're dealing with an angry parent and, you know, a crying child, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so here's another direction on the alien angle. What if you're building playgrounds, your kind of tutorial areas are on the earth, but then you are tasked with going to different planets and building playgrounds for the children up there. And the different planets can have all sorts of different, like maybe it's a different dominant species that has tentacles instead of legs. And so it doesn't like certain things as much as other things. So you have to get, kind of get creative with your resources and put things in a way that like jungle gyms might not be that much fun for an alien race that is just kind of like a sphere that rolls around on the ground and, and stuff like that. And then also the different planets would have like lower levels of gravity or higher levels of inertia or... So there's a uh, physics aspect to the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the physics are, are different for each planet that you're put on. 
You know what's cool about that too is that could now we're into kind of like playground twenty twenty eight right or <laughs> whatever the <laughs> the uh, yeah. which TM good name for this thing so let's pocket that for a second but <laughs> yeah what what I think is interesting about that is if you did do the galactic playground builder then now you can move into a space where uh, building playgrounds that are a certain level of successful on these different worlds could unlock for you very weird and exotic technologies of like something that is like a boring bench for the roly ball species um, is actually a really fun toy for the humans, right? They're like, yeah. oh, I can get into this thing and kind of float all around. It's weird and wild. You know, something for species that are on a uh, very low gravity planet maybe is very hard for those that species to manipulate. It's like a, a structure for uh, support. Whereas on a high gravity planet, it's almost like a bouncy castle uh, for them. Mm -hmm. Maybe. And this might be too grim. So you can cut me off if that's the case. <laughs> but what if this alien race just wants to eat children and their their idea is to create playgrounds all across the universe to attract kids so that they can like gather them up for like supper time? <laughs> I think we just lost the kaboom endorsement with that one. <laughs> I I am not entirely against it. I yeah, I mean like or or at minimum, right? Like the the I guess a nice play on that would be a, you know, an emperor that wants to, you know, make kids happy all over the galaxy because like his kids are gone or something like that. I don't know. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, it's a Yes, that's a, a nice but a monster who is hungry for children is very fun and i feel like it's kind of feels like it's in theme of like an 80s movie sci-fi villain or something yeah, like oh like no one of those simpsons like treehouse of terror episodes or something exactly yeah a ghoulie to be sure yeah and so maybe throughout the game you're trying to like create playgrounds that are fun enough to where you can plant little portals back to the alien world and satisfy this giant galactus that chases around the silver surfer and eats planets and stuff uh you're trying to feed this kind of like giant galactic entity but ultimately your goal is to find some way to use your like playground skills to eventually outsmart him using slides and carousels and, and stuff yeah and you know what speaking of those portals if you are setting up these things that people can move between one type of playground and another like it's a little vindictive, but I could see the human kids showing up and just having their way with the bouncy ball species. Um, just using uh, them. What do you mean by that? <laughs> I, well, I guess I mean, you know, they're they're using them to play weird space oh, volleyball. Yeah, sure. Um, and and a bit totally G-rated. Well, come on, this is yeah. a G-rated game. Okay, we gotta, yeah, we gotta cool. do that. We're cool. <laughs> Some sort of an aspect of the spore-like influence, where there's these kind of randomly generated species of different kind of aliens, and the game system kind of figures out how all of their arms and legs and stuff work. Work, and you have to find out like, oh, what would be fun for something like this to do? Would it would it be able to do the monkey bars? I don't know. Or this is what episode 23. So it is about time for us to finally reference the spore creature creator mm. uh, and just let us make crazy species with 20 limbs <laughs> that are just supposed to navigate these playgrounds. And maybe you only get like very standard type of playground equipment, but you, you have to design a species that kind of fits and works with them. 
and then kind of the end game is that you get this great kind of civilization that models all of their like adult art architecture off of playground materials and stuff. And you're like, oh, you made a grand difference in this kingdom. Oh, I like that. And that maybe as you, as the years go by or whatever, you see the city that's kind of the skyline in the background slowly transforming to look more and more like the things that influence the kids, right? <laughs> yeah, monkey bars and stuff. I like that. <laughs> uh, but anyways, that's all the time we have for that. Let's give that one a name. Well, I'm tempted to go back to Playground 2028. Maybe we'd go more future Maybe we say like 2828, you know, something really out there. <laughs> all right, sure. A number is a number because 2028 is going to be here like I almost know. immediately. We'll so. be alive for that. I don't want to see this horrible future where kids. It's kids... weird when we get to those years where sci-fi things happen. Oh yeah, like 1984 was a long time ago. Terminator 2 took place a long time ago. We are currently in the year of Earth Defense Force 2017. Well, and this is when we have to finally reveal to the listeners that we have been Skynet the whole time. Yep, that's true. <laughs> and of course, my favorite uh, sci-fi dystopian future in uh, Madden 2018, it's just going to be unbelievable to see what the world's going to be like when we get there. It's just another year until we find out A blood if everyone's going to have, uh, yeah, <laughs> everyone's going to have football helmets and run on these, these strange green stretches of land. Yes, they're going to call it AstroTurf. It's going to be wild. Exchanging points and violently assaulting one another. It's a future that I don't want to live in myself. You know, it's funny. We call that sci-fi, but I do think if you could go back in time and get Ben Franklin and show him a football <laughs> stadium filled with 60,000 people, he'd be like, what is this? What is happening? He'd just be distracted by the cheerleaders. I've known enough stories about <laughs> Benjamin Franklin. All right, that's fair. Yeah. Let us get into a pitch from one of our listeners. This comes from the community. If you, the listener, would like to pitch something to us, then you can uh, do that at playwrightcast.com. That is P-L-A-Y-W-R-I-T-E-C-A-S-T.com. Or you can email us, playwrightcast at gmail.com. And we will read your idea on the air. We will discuss it, dissect it, take it in entirely different directions, and eventually come up with a game that you could theoretically pitch to a publisher at some point in, in your life, you know, or... No guarantees it's going to be any good, but uh, <laughs> guarantee that it's going to be interesting. <laughs> yes, agreed. This one comes from Lance Barger, who we've heard from before, who says, Hey guys, still really enjoying the show. Thanks for all the work you put into it. Thank you, Lance. We appreciate the listeners. We do. And by the way, this is where I interject and say, Lance, Please if do. you love us, go ahead and head over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us one of them five-star reviews. We feed off of it like children in Gorgon. <laughs> a, like a slide full of children pouring into our mouths. We, <laughs> oh my God. All oh right, boy. pitch it, pitch it. All right, all right. I've got another pitch for you. This one might be an edutainment type of game, but it doesn't mean it has to be boring. My daughter and I have been sick this past week, and it got me thinking about bacterial infections and how menacing they look close up under a microscope. So how about a shmup? I like this. We got this edutainment shmup thing going edutainment on. Edutainment shmups. Okay. All right. <laughs> I swear we didn't read this before the show. No, it's true. Where your ship goes into the human body and blasts the infectious enemy to clear the system. Now I know what you're thinking. That's just a standard shmup with a kind of gross backdrop. So I think we need to jazz it up a bit. 
You know how shmups will often have a bomb power-up that wipes out whole screens when you get overwhelmed? In this game, it's an antibiotic. <laughs> and what happens when you use an antibiotic against the same strand of bacteria too much, the infection evolves and becomes resistant. This opens up the gameplay for two different paths the player can choose. The homeopathic run, where they try to complete the game without using antibiotics, and the fully evolved run, where they keep spamming antibiotics until the infection is at its most powerful. There could also be a currency system involved where money earned during the game can get into an R&D to make more powerful weapons suited to fight off the evolving infections. I hope this gives you guys enough for a lively discussion. Sent from my iPhone. Well, I just like to think that's an intentional part of every email that we receive. <laughs> that someone took the time to say, sent from my iPhone. Yeah. Well, and so by the way, of it. disinfect the iPhone, Lance, because it's disgusting. Wait, what? <laughs> it, it, he's sick and he's, he's just oh, typing with his okay. gross hands all over so the iPhone. I know that you're such a huge Apple fanboy and I, it, just, it surprised me to hear that kind of anti-Apple speak no, come from using, you. No, using the people. right device, just please wash it and care for it. Um, what do you think of this? You you were the today's shmup edutainment person, so you start. This got a lot more interesting as you got into the antibiotic thing, and uh, that's the way it was explained to me back in school was that you know when the uh, antibiotic like hand wash and stuff, the Purell type stuff says kills ninety nine point nine percent of bacteria or germs or whatever, and you think, oh great, well that's pretty much all of it. Then I'll be like pretty much entirely clean. I can just bathe myself in this every day and just be some sort of like immortal being going through life without ever getting sick. But it's not like a randomized lottery of 99.9%. It is like we can kill 99.9%, but every 0.1% is going to be like some badass strain that we can't kill. And since we're killing everything else, all that's left to breed is just the badass strains. And so before long, we're going to cultivate this system of all badass bacteria. And so it's interesting that this could be maneuvered into kind of like a game mechanic. Uh, if you think about something like Geometry Wars, you know, you have all these different shapes that follow you around this board and you can uh, twin stick shooter, just kind of shoot at all of them and your objective is to clear the board of all of your pursuers and stuff and then you get the bomb that can clear the battlefield but what if the bomb is effective against everything except for the very strongest strains and you can't tell what the strongest ones are by looking at them they can take more bullets they're bullet spongy they can uh, withstand more abuse but they all look the same as all the others. And so you can choose to let loose your bombs, like Lance was describing, but that creates more, uh, a higher proportion of these stronger strains versus if you were to just, you know, use your, uh, your, your kind of middling uh, little guns along the way. Uh, it's a way of kind of making the bombs a core mechanic instead of being almost like a, a get out of jail like you're almost, free. Yeah, like you're discouraged to use it in a regular type of game. And this can be like the difficulty slider, so to speak. Well, Lance, I don't know if you've listened to every episode of this show or not, but he's f finally a listener has pitched inner space like I have been talking yes. about now <laughs> since episode one. Um, yeah, it's I love the idea of uh, a game where especially if I do get my full inner space like 
two brave people shrink down into a tiny little pod that shoots antibiotics and stuff and they're fighting germs and bacteria. Um, and I do even love, oh man, I've referenced Spore twice now on this episode, mm. but you know how Spore, as you kind of evolve, you like move up a layer uh-huh. in the primordial ooze. I think that'd be really cool to like go in via like the foot or whatever, or the mouth and work your way down or up the body and, and get to the different areas. Yeah, yeah. And you could have like story beats and stuff around that. This is interesting because it is a real thing, right? Like, I wonder if there is kind of a story that you can wrap this up. And if you do discover that the person has some sort of disease or if you're like actually going, because I mean, there's only so many antibiotics that one person can take. Maybe you're jumping from person to person and, you know, you you get to very, quote, infected people by the run that have maybe been bombed with antibiotics several times before and therefore you're in a like more difficult body you've jumped to. I don't know why this comes to my mind, but I really want live action story videos in between levels, kind of like an old Sega CD game. Oh yeah. Or like the recent uh, roundabout game on, uh, you can get on Steam now. I, I think just be like really fun and wacky to have this kind of like hammy, uh, kind of cheesy FMV sequences. You know what? And we have this is a, this is the pitch, right? In between, you have Lance, right? FMV of Lance picking up his daughter. She sneezes <laughs> right on his face, and then right on boom, his iPhone, <laughs> right, right on his iPhone, and then he puts it up to his face, and then all of a sudden we zoom into the microscope level, and the, <laughs> the level begins. Yeah, that could be good. You could play this kind of like defense force for this body and like an osmosis jones type setup what is kind of cool about thinking about it on the the yeah the osmosis jones beat you don't necessarily have to spend your whole time in a body right like people mm-hmm. use disinfecting wipes on stove surfaces and and sinks and you know uh, bathtubs and toilets that you could do a whole series of levels and actually in like a weird Pikmin-esque sort of way, like super zoom into all these surfaces and almost celebrate how germy and dirty the whole world is. Oh, that's because true. Yeah. We need germs, right? So like yeah. in a, in a weird way, you're the bad guy of this thing. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but you know, it's everything in moderation, I suppose. But yeah, you can have these different uh, weapons you can switch between, kind of like the Super Stardust games that were out on PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4. Oh, yeah. Where you can switch between weapon types there. Basically all coming down to this this trade-off that you're making between exterminating all of the weaker forms all at once so that you won't get uh, surrounded by enemies versus breeding, selectively breeding this this stronger strain of enemies. And maybe... If you spam bombs, then you can trigger these like super boss fights or something where you get into not secret necessarily because this is a pretty simple method to get there, but you can trigger more intense fights against like very highly decorated enemies. You know what would be cool too is uh, he's going for the edutainment angle. So I do like as you defeat enough of an enemy or something you're adding to your log book and learning like you know literally one one of the types of bacteria can be influenza right and Uh (laughs) like so i've defeated enough influenza i'm learning more and more about what you know the flu actually is and does 
Um, and you know, you can get in there and get your tetanus and all the greatest hits of weird diseases that humans can, can be infected yeah. with rabies. Rabies got to make it a bit appearance. <laughs> get the black plague and stuff like that. I, I hope it wouldn't be disrespectful to anyone going through it, but maybe like, you know, as you're going through all of these different diseases and stuff, then you could, you, your power base could be based on the different types of treatments and what they actually do to the different bacteria and germs and stuff, and maybe kind of like a final boss. And again, cross my fingers, this is not disrespectful, but it could be cancer. (laughs) And so you're using like lasers and uh yeah. um, something to simulate the the chemo treatment and stuff to uh a- again battle this very daunting foe well i think you know a lot of these things and and i was thinking something like cancer too but you know obviously it's it's a lot about how you handle that in the game and how yeah. much you lean into the education of it or telling a story that it's meaningful because you know my, i had a grandfather that had cancer and he, one thing that anybody that has this disease will tell you is they don't stop, you know, being themselves. They still have senses of humor. They still like to have yeah, fun. Yeah. They still want to enjoy their life. And so, you know, that could be some way to provide levity for somebody that's dealing with that disease of like, hey, feel empowered during your, your chemo treatment, pick up your switch and literally blast cancer uh, <laughs> away. That's um, true. Yeah. But, you know, it's again, it's the matter of tact. But cancer is an interesting disease because like anybody that's that knows a little bit about it can tell you is it kind of you can get rid of it in one place and it crops up in another. So yeah. that could be maybe the reoccurring boss uh, throughout the whole thing. And, you know, that that eventually you're trying to fully eradicate it. Hopefully it has a happy ending. Right. Or the mechanics there could be. You know, you're trying to manage this this game board, so to speak, like in the Geometry Wars level. But as you're defeating it in one place, you have to make sure that you get every little bit of it. Otherwise, it'll come back pretty quickly somewhere else. And yeah. uh, just managing this space. Yeah, it's like the maybe it's a a level that's auto scrolling or something like yeah. that. And you're really incentivized to to really wipe out every bit of it or else, you know, you're, it's not it's not the correct thing for the patient. Yeah. And then you could even introduce, um, because like chemotherapy, people can tell you that wipes out good germs and cells as well. So maybe when you're battling cancer, there's kind of like the innocent cells that you have to not shoot. Yeah. Throughout all of the other levels, you have these kind of like helper cells that are, uh, you can collect and can like shoot alongside of you. I think there's some like, I don't remember if, if Galaga or some of the other like older shmups had helper pods that you could collect. Uh, and maybe in the in those levels where you have to employ those more extreme treatments, it also like actively hurts uh, the ones that you've come to rely on up to this point. Yeah, and I can imagine levels where you know a, a shmup can still have levels where you're kind of navigating tighter corridors and you're trying not to you know either bump into a wall or you're trying to uh, make sure that you don't shoot particularly sensitive areas of tissue or something you know something where you're kind of avoiding parts of the environment at the same time as dealing with the bad cells that are very interested in attacking you i'm sure yeah it's really interesting anyways we have to end the discussion there and give it a name a diagnosis so to speak now lance does not come to us with any name so we're gonna have to come up with something ourselves well we could call it 
Asperger syndrome and name the disease after the oh, person I who see. pitched it. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Let's call it for that for now. And I... If, if you have any ideas of where to take this or any of our previous pitches, if you have better names than we were able to come up with, we would encourage you to get in touch with us. We are PlaywrightCast on social media, on Twitter, on uh, email. You can email us, playwrightcast at gmail.com. You can post on our website. And uh, we have comment sections for each of our episodes. If you have anything to say about any of those, we'd love to read it. Please do submit your own ideas. We are running a little low at the moment. It kind of goes up and down with time, but uh, you know we'll put out another call on social media. But why don't you beat the rush? If you hear it first and uh, get your idea in quickly, then it'll be that much sooner that we get to it on the show. You can submit right from the homepage, and once you're done doing that, you can head over to Bandcamp and pick up the track "Hello World." It's our theme song by Protodome off the album Blue Noise. It's really good. You should check it out. Right. All excellent. Anyways, to take us out today, I want to drop a mini idea. And this is not a fully fleshed out idea. This is one that I want the community's involvement with. So what I'm going to give you is a name. And I just want to hear, like, what what kind of game would you turn this into? <laughs> and hopefully over the next week, we can kind of get a, uh, a good sense of... of uh, all sorts of different ideas on this. Maybe we'll read some of our favorites next time. We'll, we'll see. Anyways, the name of this game, hearkening back to the uh, well-trodden expression that is repeated all too often in American culture, is thoughts and prayers. Ooh. All right. We'll see you next time, huh? See you later. Bye. <laughs>